Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Lawns Across America podcast, the first one in a long while. Yes, so for those of you who have been calling me out and saying, are you going to keep the podcast going this year? And I am coming back and saying yes. Well, the answer is, just like every year, things get uh, a little busy and the podcast is what drops to the wayside, even though this is really the thing I enjoy doing the most because it's that long form. I can just talk and ramble. And uh, I am making some strides in being able to put out more podcasts. I'm working with somebody right now to help edit the podcast and also then take the podcast itself and break it down into pieces and then push those out onto the various platforms. So I've been working with a guy now. Uh, We did a test just over the weekend, and he came back with uh, some results that uh, look promising. So we're going to keep working together, keep developing this thing over a little bit of time. And then that way, if I can get somebody to edit these podcasts for me, it makes it a lot easier because then I can just come in here. I can just talk as I need to talk. They can edit out all my ums and ahs and all of that stuff. And we'll move on. They'll put the musical transitions in because I I think you guys like those. I do. I like playing that 80s musical transition stuff. So anyway, today's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. I have an awesome guest here at the end though. But before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about the app. I assume most of you that listen to the podcast here, you have downloaded the Yard Mastery app. If you haven't, go into either app store and it is just called Yard Mastery. And it's going to give you a program based on your grass type and soil temperatures. There's a semi-custom program there for you that will dial things in again with soil temperature data that we have, as well as where you live and that type of stuff. And what your grass type is, you can also measure your lawn in there. There's a journal so you can keep track of your apps. And then again, it'll tell you what to put down and when to put it down all during the year, obviously using the Yard Mastery products. So that has been up and running now for a while, but now we finally have just gotten integrated our custom soil test. For those of you that don't know, we have a soil kit put out by Yard Mastery. Uh, Our friends over at MySoil are actually the lab behind that. And then it's just our Yard Mastery branding and everything on top of it. But it is our custom soil test that then integrates in the app. So when you take our test, you get your results back, your results will come through in the app and then you can toggle a switch. And now you can go on a custom program based on that soil test. It does still look at soil temperatures and it does still look at grass type. But really what it looks like when you go on the custom soil Uh, are on the custom soil plan is what your soil needs. At that point, things are off. Warm season, cool season doesn't matter as much because it's what your soil actually needs nutrient-wise that matters the most. So the program will vary a little bit. And that's what you want, right? You want a custom program that's based on your soil. So that is currently available in our all granular program. So we have a program in there that's all granular. We have one that's granular and liquid, and then we have one that is all liquid. So the all granular program is going to be granular macro fertilizers. So like flagship, stress blend, uh, freedom, those, right? And then it's also going to have granular biostimulants. So all of our programs, all of my programs have biostimulants included because we want to improve the soil at the same time. So the the biostimulants switch back and forth between Essential G from Miramichi and the 500 Soil Mastery that we get custom blended from the Anderson. So those are the all dry programs, all dry fert, all dry biostimulants. And now if you do switch to custom program, the fertilizers will be custom based on your soil test. Now, when we go to the the uh, second program, I call it the hybrid program, but it's liquid and granular. It's still going to be all granular fertilizers, but then the biostimulant components all switch to liquids because a lot of folks like to do both. And I, that's what I run is I do mostly granular fertilizers and then I'll do liquid biostimulants. Now I go back and forth across the spectrum because that's what I do. And a lot of you like to play that way as well. And all of these programs, you can flex. You don't have to 
take the recommendation it gives you. You can make your own if you want or override, of course, and go even more custom. But that program, that hybrid program is, again, all granular fertilizers, liquid biostimulants, RGS, Humic 12, those all come out of the, the uh, Green County line. Uh, microgreen is our micronutrient supplement. And then we also have the liquid aeration, the aerate. So that's all of what comes out of there. In that program, in that hybrid program, the granular biostimulants stay exactly the same. They don't change, but all of the fertilizers will switch to a custom program when you activate that based on your soil test. So those two are ready for custom programs. The third is the all liquid program. So that's going to be 100% Green County products. It's going to be all liquid fertilizers from Green County, like the 1801 Green Punch, the 2600 um, Green Charge, and the 0025 Green Kick. It'll be all of those liquids, and then also the liquid biostimulants, RGS, Humic 12, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all in the all liquid program. That one I don't have ready for custom soil test yet. They're working on that. So once and the reason that is, is that one's a little bit behind is we were waiting on the 0025. We needed that potassium only supplement in the line before we were able then to make that custom program. So now that we have that product, now we kind of have everything rounded out to the point where they can make the custom program. So engineering team is working on that right now. And so that liquid custom program based on soil test should be out sometime in the next several weeks. Now, a lot of folks had asked about pH, and I know I'm going into the app a lot here. I hope you guys will just bear with me. Some of you may not know that the app does all of this. Uh, the next thing, though, is the pH. So it'll we didn't have a pH component in there, so if someone was high or low, we didn't have a recommendation for you. That is now coming. I, I met with the engineering team last week. They're going to build in a pH step, so that'll be added in if you are high or low that way. What else? Uh, I had some other notes here I wanted to go over just to make sure that we did not miss anything. But I think that's kind of most of the updates. Oh, somebody had asked about phosphorus-free programs. So just so you know, the the semi-custom programs is which, what I call them now. When you log into the app brand new and you don't have a soil test, you can still get a semi-custom program, again, based on soil type, or I'm sorry, based on soil temperature and cool season or warm season. It'll give you a semi-custom program that way. And both of those programs, warm season and cool season, are 100% phosphory. So in that case, if you just need a phosphorus-free program, then just stay on the actual normal program. Don't go to a custom program. Now, even a custom program, sometimes if you have phosphorus levels that are acceptable, it may still offer some phosphorus. And that's because I don't have an infinite number of fertilizers to give you the perfect choice every single time. I only have a line of five bags with different analysis on them that I have chosen because they fit most of the profile. In fact, they can fill in most of the puzzle pieces, but everything isn't perfect. So every once in a while, there is going to be some overlap in one nutrient in order to get you another. Uh, again, that's because I just I can't make 50 different perfect fertilizer. Well, I wouldn't need 50. I would need however many 27 or however many 14. I should know that. <laughs> however many elements are on the soil test, I would need one pure of each thing if I was going to give you the perfect program. But again, we can't get there. So I've done the best I can to get it custom with the products that I have. And this has been in development for a long time. It's not like we just arrived at these analysis and all these things right away. We've been working with that over time. Interestingly enough, I was talking to my engineering team and they're explaining to me the difference between versioning and visioning. And we've been doing a lot of versioning this past year, and it's been good. The app is very stable now, and it works great, and users are uh, the interactions are good and smooth, and we can see that, and bugs are down. But now it's time to start visioning, and so we're actually going to start doing some of that coming up, and that's going to be fun. That'll be the next steps. What are we going to do with the app to make it better, make you guys you know, want to be in there more, to get more value out of it? Because it's free. Our app is free. So uh, with that, download the Yard Mastery app. Uh, the last thing I want to tell you, and then I want to get into this interview, is... We are having a meetup sometime in the next week 
in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's all I can tell you about it right now. Follow the Lawn Care Nut pages on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'll announce it everywhere. But there is going to be a meetup over by Grand Rapids, Michigan sometime in the next week. All right. I want to get into this interview because this is going to be a good one that you guys are going to like. It is something we are releasing as a first here ever and that's pretty cool. I interviewed Cassie Reed. Cassie Reed is someone who I met because she worked for Scotts. And when she worked for Scotts, she worked on the Pro Vista team. So you guys know I've been a fan of the Scotts Pro Vista St. Augustine grass over by there for a long time. I've got it at my house. I've got it at the track. And I like working with it. It is now my favorite St. Augustine grass, especially after the tough year I've had with Palmetto, which we can talk about in an upcoming video. But it's, I've been with it now for a few years, and I've seen it come in and out of a couple different winters. I've seen what it can do, what it can't do. I know how to take care of it now. I know what it likes and doesn't like. And so now I'm able to really push it. I'm really to push all the strengths of it, and I really do. I think it's a, it's a great St. Augustine grass. Well, Cassie worked on that team, but she actually is very partial to Kentucky bluegrass because, as she will tell you, she went to Ohio State. I call it Ohio State, but I guess when you're from Ohio, you call it Ohio State. Um, <laughs> you'll see I'm having a little bit of fun there, but, uh, uh, because Ohio state fans, you know, you are what you are, but, uh, yeah, so she went to Ohio state and studied agronomy and then now she worked for Scott's and she's doing a master's thesis because she did a shade study and that's coming out of Texas A&M. I don't understand exactly how all of these educational credits work, but Cassie Reed is legit. She's going through school. She's only 26 years old. She's on her way up. It's really cool that I've gotten to kind of work with her through that. And now I got to interview her because she is going to release the results of the shade study that she did with the Kentucky bluegrass version of the Scott's Pro Vista. I have to say it right. Scott's Pro Vista Kentucky bluegrass. She did a shade study with that. And she's going to release some of the results here just preliminarily. It's all being written up. It's going to be released at some point. You know, you have to do all this writing and all these things have to be approved. But she's able to verbally talk to you today about some of what she has discovered with the Scott's Pro Vista. And we're going to go into the Pro Vista in a little bit more detail in general because I think it's something that a lot of you should start to consider. So with that, I hope the introduction was adequate. Let's get into my interview with Cassie Reed. So Cassie, tell me about how you got to start working with Scott's because that's a pretty cool bullet point on a resume being <laughs> your first, you know, forays into the job market. And now, as we're going to reveal later in this podcast, something really big that you're doing with them. But tell me a little bit about your time with Scott's and how you got to work there. Yeah, so I actually got my bachelor's of science um, from Ohio State in agronomy, and I grew up on a farm. So I thought I always wanted to be an agronomist, crop consultant. And my first job right out of undergrad um, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It wasn't what I wanted at all. So um, I took the job at Scott's as a temp. So they'll hire people on. and It's like a 11 month um, temporary position. They're really more designed for people like summer jobs and stuff like that, like seasonal help. So it was very much just something that I thought was temporary for me just as much as it was for them um, because I did not want to be in grass. In the first couple months, I always make a joke with them about it. I hated it. I was like, what am I doing? Like I grew up having to mow my lawn and like weedy and like that stuff is hard work. It's not fun. You know, you're not learning anything. And then um, we started going on field tours and, um, cause I started there early of 2019. So when field season kicked in and we started going on field tours, I started noticing a lot of my ag background can translocate to like turf grass, you know? So, 
um, herbicides, everything like that will um, transfer over. And so I started just kind of like asking questions and, um, you know, getting myself more involved. And that's when it like my manager there kind of sparked an interest and like, oh, you're interested, then I'll put an interest. Like if you're not interested, that's fine. But if you like are interested, then I'll teach you something, you know, and it just kept going and going until I fell in love with it. Um, I really, really created a passion for it. And it got to the point where and I'm not meaning this to sound cocky, but I felt like I was good at it. I never felt like I was good at it in ag. Like, and I grew up with it. So I never understood. And maybe it was just the crop production industry that I was in. I don't know. But I never felt like I was good at it. I wasn't excited to go to work every day. You know, it just wasn't, the passion wasn't there. Now I had something that was absolutely lighting a fire inside of me that I didn't know existed. People talked about wanting to go to work every day. And I found that like with this job, like I loved it. I loved being there on weekends. Like I was always learning something. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, what were you specifically doing that you loved so much? You're going in on weekends. What is it that you're doing? And this is, and this is when you're, you're interning. Is that still the, the key? There? So it, yeah. So I was technically a temp for all of 2019 and then January of 2020 is when it was kind of like June of 2019 when I expressed like, Hey, I would like a full-time position to my manager. And he was like, okay, like, I'll see what I can do. Like, there's nothing open. So I'd have to open a position for you. And I was like, well, I'm really interested. Like, cause if you don't open a position for me, I'm going somewhere else in turf. Like I want to stay in turf. He was You're like working on ProVista with them. Yes. So when you get the job that full-time, what is it that you're doing there? So I was kind of split working um, with seed production and then mainly what I was doing there, the world headquarters is there in Marysville, Ohio. I was working on research trials. So everything with Provista, um, we were working on with the bluegrass and the CNA, um, greenhouse field trials, everything. Um, and what I really love about it, like the technology, and I know we'll get into that, but I was able to at Scott see all of our conventional products and then see our technology and those added benefits it provides. And I mean, it was just, it was, we're redefining the species by being able to have that technology. And it, it was just awesome. And I just like got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm not a shy person. Like I want to talk about this product. So I kept telling him like, I want to speak like in front of people, whether it's internally or externally, like I want to be involved in, getting you know this product out there because it was awesome yeah so you had this passion because not only were you just working there you were actually investing in creating this thing and making mm -hmm. it better and so you felt like you were a part of it I think that's awesome so that was the job that you had or the the first experience now we're going to talk about how you kind of things came back around full circle and what you're doing with Scott's now in a different mm -hmm. role but I want to go ahead for those that don't know we're talking about mainly when we talk about this technology we're talking about Scott's Pro Vista which is the turf grass that everybody knows I love. I have the St. Augustine and I like to use the full name St. Augustine grass. I don't abbreviate it to St. A like Cassie does. She's so disrespectful, but <laughs> but you guys know I've been working with the, the St. Augustine for a long time at my house. I have it at the racetrack and it is my favorite St. Augustine grass. And I like it because of the three reasons and we're going to talk about those now. So there's three kind of like key performance indicators they talk about with it. And um, I actually had some some misconceptions about it. So Cassie's going to help me with that there. And I want to say that the Kentucky bluegrass has the same uh, characteristics that we're going to talk about, these same three. And then again, we're going to talk about a fourth uh, in a minute. 
but the, the the three characteristics are that it is slower growth habit. So half the mowing, I think, is what they say, but it and I think it's even less. Like they undersell that. It grows very slow in a positive way. You also get a deeper, darker blue-green color, in my opinion, but it's a deeper, darker color. That's the second thing. And then the third thing is it's glyphosate tolerant. So therefore you can have a clean turf stand because you can use glyphosate as a tool. So with those three things, I want to kind of zero in on the color part, because I had always thought that y'all injected something in there, not dye, but I'd always thought you were injecting something in there, but no, it's actually a side benefit of some other things. So let's talk about a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's actually only two genes and they're plant-based genes. Um, so they're really unique that way. And a dwarf gene is one of them. So the dwarf gene is what gives you that darker green color. So we think that um, you know, you have a smaller space for the amount of chlorophyll cells in, you know, your leaf. So that we think that's where we're getting the darker green color from. And then that dwarf gene is what gives you the half the mowing trait. Um, and you're right, that's in both bluegrass and Santa. And then the glyphosate gene is you set it perfectly. It's a tool. It's a tool in your toolbox. Like you as a, a turf manager, homeowner, like you can use it or you don't have to. If you don't use it, it'll look like your floor tam, all your other St. Augustine grasses, right? But if you want to use it, it's there. Um, so those are the two genes that um, give it those unique characteristics. Yeah, so that's what's so cool. And that's why she says redefining the species, because that's what they're doing. They're they're using science to make the turf grass perform better. And in Florida, that having clean St. Augustine grass is impossible until mm -hmm. now. Yeah. But I do think it's kind of cool that it makes sense. Like if I think about bro science, like logical, if I have chlorophyll things, if pieces of chlorophyll or whatever chlorophyll is, it's a a cell, I don't know, whatever. And I pack them tighter together. It makes sense. They're going to be darker colored, right? Because you just, if you think about spreading things out and more sunlight can get through, it's a lighter color. So it's kind of interesting that the compact growth is what makes the darker color. I always thought it was me throwing down more of my fertilizer. At least that's how I saw my fertilizer, but really it's no, it's just the, the St. Augustine already has it built in. <laughs> well, if you think about, you know, PGRs and a common one is Primo Max. So the active ingredient in that is Trinextec ethyl. So what that specific PGR does is it inhibits the gibberellic acid in the plant. Well, that's exactly what our dwarf gene is doing, except you don't have to put out an application. So what does Primo give you? Not only does it give you, you know, a shorter plant, it typically will give you a darker green color. Well, that's exactly what ours is doing, right? So we're, ours is like naturally inhibiting that gibberellic acid. So it's giving you the darker green color and half mowing without having to put a product out. Yeah, so built-in plant growth regulator. So that actually then would be less chemical on the earth. Yep. So that's actually a positive thing. So I like that. And obviously I'm a fan. I've worked with the Kentucky bluegrass a little bit. We put it in at the Millennial Farmer's Dad's house. I also helped Jake the Lawn Kid sod his. And uh, I like it. I think it's cool. I mean, I like Kentucky bluegrass just as much as anybody else. But I want to talk about now the study that you did, because this, to me, I don't think anybody can make this claim at all. Well, I think you're going to tell me nobody can make this claim with Kentucky bluegrass. So talk about the study you're, you did, why you did it, what it's for, all of that, and then uh, the results that you got. This is, this is a release right now. I don't think this is first time on the internet right here. So let's hear it. So um, first off, kind of why we did the study. Um, Maybe some people know, maybe some of your followers don't, but um, warm season grasses are typically less shade tolerant in general than cool season grasses. However, Kentucky bluegrass is very wide known to not be shade tolerant. 
As a matter of fact, there's actually not that much research out there for shades specifically on bluegrass because of that. It's just so known that regardless of the variety, it's very, very shade intolerant. And like I said, our genetics are the same in St. Augustine as they are in bluegrass. However, St. Augustine grass is already a pretty shade tolerant grass. So is it there? Is it giving you an added benefit? Sure. But we're not able to make like a high claim like we are to like make an impact like we can on bluegrass because of the shade tolerance difference. So for bluegrass, like we added these traits and now it's just a matter of running trials, doing studies and seeing, you know, what can we actually make a claim on? So we already have that half the mowing claim. So then it was a matter of, can we be more shade tolerant, right? So we have this darker green color, shorter plant. How does it perform under shade? And so in fall of 2020, I went back to grad school. And so I started at Ohio State and we were gonna set up this trial. And, and one of my coworkers was like, Cassie, this is a master's thesis. Like you should, you should go back to school for this, you know, get the credits for it because you're doing it already. And so we ran this trial. It was a two-year field study in fall of 2020 and or throughout 2020 and then 2021. And um, I do just want to say, like, we've put this like Provista bluegrass all through. It's in home lawns under shade. Like it's, you know, throughout all of our research station under tree shade, building shade. Like this specific study was controlled like artificial shade tarps. Right. But like it's been, you know, put under natural tree shade, building shade, everything, in you the know? Field. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is just so it can be published like this specific trial so that we can truly quantify a number, like a consistent number of how much light is required. Now, yeah, like this is in Ohio, um, light is different throughout the entire, you know, world, but what we quantified was DLI, so daily light intervals. So that's how much PAR or photosynthetic active radiation that a plant receives in a day. So we were able to get actual numbers. And when we reached those numbers, we were seeing that for turf quality to still be acceptable turf quality, Provista was requiring half the light is what conventional was to still maintain that. So tell me a little bit about some of the, so that's, I mean, that's the, that's, hold on, my phone is ringing right in the middle of the big reveal. <laughs> so, so that's the whole thing, 50% less light requirement and to keep, but to keep the same dense turf canopy or tame, same stand. So talk about, so, and I don't know if you can send me any pictures or not, but you set up these tarps across your study mm -hmm. and tell me some of the things that you're doing to monitor the quality of the turf besides you're monitoring the light, I'm sure using um, some sort of machinery or equipment for that, but what other things are you doing to monitor the turf quality? So these tarps are over the conventional and, and Provista at the same time. So it's a split plot design. So under each shade level, there's full sun and it goes all the way up to 90% shade reduction. So the, in that case, you're only receiving 10% sunlight throughout an entire day. So really, really harsh conditions for bluegrass. And yeah, well, we've got a data logger under there. And so that's what's monitoring the actual light. But then once a week, I was trying to replicate a homeowner. And typically in the north, they're mowing once a week, right, throughout the growing season. So um, I'm going through and I'm taking heights every week. So I have a measuring stick where I'm taking heights and I'm taking 
Lightbox pictures. So what Lightbox picture does is digital image analysis. And then we run that through something called Turf Analyzer in order to get the percent green cover and then the dark green color index. So we're getting the green color from it and then how much ground cover is right. Because what happens to bluegrass under shade is as that homeowner, when you're going through and you're mowing your lawn every week, you're actually shaving off all the energy that that plant just used to stretch and reach towards the light. So as it etiolates every single week and you mow it off, you're actually hurting the plant for bluegrass. So when you do that, it starts to thin out and that's where you'll see bare ground a lot. You'll see it all the time in bluegrass underneath trees. And that's why homeowners will have mixes in their lawn, right? They'll have their fescues and their ryegrass. So their full sun is mainly bluegrass, but their shade is their other species. But now with Provista, the goal is to have a lawn to be 100% bluegrass. And that is what people want. People right. love bluegrass, but they always say it's slow to grow. A lot of them don't like that if they want like a fast seeded lawn. But the biggest thing is it can't grow in the shade. You know, everybody, regardless of what kind of landscape you have, sports manager, homeowner, whatever, you have shade, right? So if it's going to be a part of your landscape, you need your grass to grow. So when we're running this study, we're taking all these response measures um, to be able to quantify like does it do well in every aspect, right? So even under the highest shade, does it still have a dark green color? You know, does it start to stretch? Like, and a lot of times it wasn't even reaching mowing height still. So it's wild to be able to see, like when I say 50%, it's just like what you say about the mowing. You think we're being conservative. Of course, we're gonna try and be conservative um, when we make this just because we don't want anyone coming back and saying like, well, it's not really this. So like it is conservative to be able to say that we require half the light is conventional. Yeah, so they're literally, so I, I read, I don't read a lot on seed, but I know that's one of the things people will talk about with the different names of the grass seeds that are out there, Kentucky bluegrass, that it's done better on in the INTEP trials and all of these different mm -hmm. things like that. So for you to be able to say 50% less, I mean, that's, I if nobody else can claim that, I mean, that is, to use the word game changer. <laughs> I mean, now you, now you see why I say redefining the species of bluegrass, because we are, I mean, it's not, it's not shade tolerant and sure there are varieties that do better than others, but you still will never see someone have a hundred percent bluegrass lawn because of it. Like it's still not that shade tolerant and you can with Provesta's bluegrass, you can have your lawn be a hundred percent bluegrass with that. That's awesome. And what's cool about it is this is a side benefit. This isn't something you all set out to like, in other words, when you set out with your three original things that you were going for, slower mowing, you know, greener color, you, these are things you discover as you go. This is another thing you've discovered as you go. Yeah. And yeah. so that's really, really cool. I can't wait to see it come out and uh, start being uh, advertised. And uh, I will obviously be a big fan. One other thing I did want to talk about with the Kentucky bluegrass, because I just think it's funny. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. So we did the sod, uh, the Kentucky, I'm sorry, let me say it right. The Scots Provista Kentucky Bluegrass. That's how we're supposed to say it. I was corrected on that a long time ago by a general manager over there. And, uh, and he, uh, and so I want to make sure I say the full name every time. But anyway, we put it in at Jake's house. We sodded it. It was great. We got the sod from H&E over in Illinois over by there. Mm -hmm. And it was just great sod. It went in, it was beautiful. And then this spring, I went to see him and it was late spring. Spring was late this year across the country. He's in Northwest Indiana. And I went to see him. It was, I want to say late, late May, like the last couple of days in May. And his lawn, it looked 
like a bunch of only brown seed stocks, like 85% were mostly hardcore seed stocks and I and almost no blades of grass. Now, this is me coming up upon a lawn that you have to realize we just sawed it and I'm looking at it going, what the heck did you do to this dude? Like, what did you, and I was like kind of making fun of him. I'm like, bro, they gave you free sod and you just destroyed it. But <laughs> I'm talking to you and I realized we were talking earlier that no, this is just, and it's not, a, I'm making it sound terrible. It was scary the way it looked. But a week later, it was fine. It was, and it, even now, it's fine. But so, tell me a little bit about what might be happening there, and what uh, somebody could do to, I don't know, avoid it or just live through it. What what was he seeing with this Kentucky bluegrass there? So the thing that people don't understand, um, because they're able to mow them out so easily, is that every single species flowers in the spring. You know, your Saint Augustine even flowers in the spring. But all of your conventional species grow enough come spring, especially when you're, you know, your soil tends to reach a certain point and they start actively growing that you as a consumer go through and you mow those flowers off. No problem. One or two mows, done, you move on. Well, with Provista, because of those dwarf genetics, they don't grow as fast, which is great. But those flowers sit in that boo and they stay there. So one thing we've noticed is when you start to see those white flower tips down in the boo and at the bottom of your canopy, you kind of need to go in and like almost scalp it. Um, homeowners get really scared when you say like scalp it. So I try not to say that, but yeah. it grows back. Like, you know, that's when you're going to put out your spring fertilizer application. So before you do that, go in and low mow it, mow those flowers off. And it's like, yes, you have to mow lower than your typical bluegrass because it's dwarf, right? It's already short. It's just coming out of dormancy. So it's really short. It hasn't grown at all. So as you're seeing those flowers, low mow it, put some fertilizer out. And for a couple weeks, it might look, you know, a, a little bad, but you get those flowers out and then you're not having those brown tips that you're dealing with that you saw. Yeah, see, that's, it's, so that's kind of interesting too. So I don't know. I noticed, um, I've noticed with the St. Augustine grass that if I don't, now I'm down here in Florida, so we don't typically go dormant. We can, yeah. a good year, bad year. Uh, but if I keep my ProVista pushed really hard with nitrogen, which I can do because of the built-in growth regulator, I don't get any flushes of growth at all. So I can hammer it with all the nitrogen I want. And I yeah. love that. That's probably the reason <laughs> I like it the most. And it doesn't grow any faster. So yeah. that's kind of fun. But if I don't do that, if I back off, which has happened in years a couple of years ago, then and it does go dormant. It's slower to come out of dormancy than other uh, St. Augustine grasses. And I'm assuming this is the dwarf coming yep. in. It's just yep. it's 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 just one of those things. So could it be the same with the Kentucky bluegrass that coming out of spring, it might be a little bit of a later bloomer, a little bit of a later starter. And then yep. on top of that, because the seed heads, and let me just you, she calls them flowers, which is the proper term. You know, I call them. <laughs> seed stalks, seed heads, whatever, because I'm just a, a hillbilly. But the idea is those seed stalks or whatever would grow six, eight inches if you didn't mow them off. But mm -hmm. because they're typically in other varieties going to grow six or eight inches, they grow really fast. Where with this Kentucky bluegrass, it grows slow. They never grow very tall anyway. So you're just mowing over top of them all season. And the seeds are just staying below there and just getting browner and browner and browner, which is cool. But and they are sterile, right? Those seeds are not going to grow. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so like, I think I hate putting like a number to it, but a lot of consumers mow their lawn with bluegrass, at least at three inches, right? So 
our grass is not going to reach three inches at that time of year. So, you know, two inches is probably the highest that those flowers are at, especially if you just laid sod down the fall before, you know, like he did. So with that new stand, like you're really going to have to mow them low. Um, yeah. And it, it, if you haven't done that before, you know, like, and they probably haven't, you know, someone up north that isn't used to Bermuda or something that they're scalping a lot, um, it's going to be scary. Um, so it's a really hard to like recommend um, because it's like, how do we come up with the wording, right? We don't want to tell you to scalp your lawn because then like people would complain like, oh my gosh, you told me to do this, but just mow it low until you don't see those flowers anymore. And then as you get those flowers out, push it with fur, throw her down. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's cool. It's like anything, you know, you guys are, like you said, you're, you're redefining the species. So you're going to have to redefine some of the maintenance too. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, to me, that's the exciting thing. And I think that's probably why you like working with this, right? Because you're, you're not only changing the grass itself, you're changing mindsets, you're changing just the way things are done. And that's, I, I can see how that's exciting. So mm -hmm. um, with that, I can't wait to see the study released 50% less shade is, tell me just right now, tell me what, tell us what you're doing and what you're, uh, you know, I mean, when this is going to be released, and mm -hmm. then uh, maybe what some of your future plans are. Yeah, so I'm actually a uh, Texas a now. So I live down in College Station, Texas. Um, so I, long story short, um, was really interested in sports turf. I loved my job at Scott's and I loved the product. Um, I just wasn't sure if school was for me. And I knew like the trial was already done by end of last year. So I knew like the publication would get out even if I wasn't the one that wrote it. So I thought I wanted to be in sports turf because one of the biggest things I loved about my job was just being outside and like doing the dirty work. Um, what I didn't realize is the difference in that job versus I ended up taking a job with Texas A&M Athletics to manage the soccer field and be a part of the field staff here. But what I didn't realize was the difference in how I was managed. And I didn't realize that until I got a different manager. And long story short, I like I there's nothing wrong with who was managing me at AM. It's just, it was all me. Like as cliche as that sounds, like I realized that I have to be managed a certain way in order to be successful. And, you know, maybe you'll think that's my generation or my age, but at Scott's, my manager was very good about knowing what I like to do. And I like to do the field work. I want to be on the sprayer. I want to be on the mower. Like I still want to be outside doing the work but I want to be a part of those programs. I want to be a part of all the pesticide programs we're running, the trials, setting up the trials, running the data. Like I still want to be learning and be a part of the team, not just someone out there doing the work. Um, and with athletics, they have, I mean, all of A&M's fields are real turf. So they just have so much that they're managing. They're going around every single sport, every single athlete that they don't really have time to be able to be teaching someone like that. Um, you know, and I came down here from cool season and I wanted to learn as much as I could about warm season and I just wasn't. Um, so I decided that uh, I wanted to finish my master's. So contacted the guys at Texas A&M here in the turfgrass department and was like, will you guys take the master's that I was working on at Ohio State? And they're like, yep. So I started back here in May. Um, so I have summer and fall classes left. And then since my trial is already done, I'm in a like bit of a different situation because I'm not running research here for my thesis. So I'm in the writing portion of it now. The data is all analyzed. That's how I know like the results already. I'm just writing. 
And so I'll finish in December with my master's of science. Um, and then journals take a while to get published because they got to go through the whole review and edit process. So I can't give you like a time as to when it'll be exactly published, but within the next year, for sure. That's awesome. Congratulations. You've done so much already. And uh, so, yeah, you're 26 years old. And I would say, yes, this is part of your generation, but it's a good part of your generation, which you think you're a millennial, don't you? I, I Google it. I was born in 96. All right. I don't know. I thought you were Gen Z. I don't care. I'm Gen X. Everybody hated us. But but no, I totally understand why you liked the job where you had a manager that let you be involved in everything. Right. That is your generation because you want to get wins. That's how I always say it. Your manager said, oh, Cassie, do you want to go win? OK, here, go do these things and go get a win. And you go get a win and you come back and go, look what I did. I'm, I won. And now you feel like you're a part of it. And that's just how it works. I mean, that, that's how all of us want to be managed. Whereas you're right at, at, a, at an old school, uh, well, an old school where you are now, it's all siloed, right? And so it does. It's, it, but that's just because that's how those things operate. Yeah. So that's good that you're self-aware about, you know, how you want to work. Uh, I think that's probably your biggest, your most positive trait going into your whatever your next career move is, yeah. is being self-aware. So. Yeah, I'll be able to ask the right questions now. I mean, it's been a hell of a ride to try and figure it all out. I feel like it's taken me a lot longer to figure things out than some people, but I just stopped comparing myself to people my age that got the perfect job in their mind right out of school and will stay there forever. Um, I just don't think that's how you learn and grow as a person if you just stay comfortable forever either. Um, in order to grow, you have to get uncomfortable and I've been uncomfortable a lot in the last six years of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just realized like at Scott's that I was able to, I mean, it was really like my whole team too. Like, I mean, those guys are my mentors and they'll be a part of my life forever because they saw someone that was interested in turf and they were just like, whatever, whatever you want to learn, we'll teach you like whatever you want to do, like we'll give you all these opportunities. And it's like, you are the kind of person that I want to be someday for someone who's 20 years younger than you, because I mean, I'll stay in turf because of those people. So I bet you see, that's so I can tell you that everybody that's in the green industry has a similar story. So I'm glad you mm -hmm. got yours early because you have a long way to still go and a lot of things. <laughs> no, but it's just good that you're already thinking about uh, being a kingmaker. That's what that is. That's what those mentors are to you. And I know those guys a little bit too. I work with them too. They're uh, they're kingmakers. They're making you the king. And so that's uh, or the yeah. king in your case. So that's uh, that's a good good way to go. Um, I will put your links below if anybody wants to reach out to Cassie. I will put uh, her Instagram and Twitter in the description below. And uh, I look forward to talking to you some more. You're I'm going to reach out to you for a resource on some other things for sure <laughs> down the road. And uh, I am going to get you. You guys don't know, but Cassie is a closet St. Augustine detractor. So. She she doesn't like St. Augustine grass, so we're going to change that too. I wouldn't say I don't like it, but it's not your barefoot bluegrass. You it does uh, not. Well, you walk out in it all the time. <laughs> you're barefoot. <laughs> you came from Indiana. You came from bluegrass town. Like I know you know it's not the same. It's not. It's not the same. But it's it's built for a purpose. So, but I'm gonna get <laughs> you to like it. So that'll be a whole nother podcast we'll do. But Kathy, thank you so much for coming on. Really, yeah. thank you for sharing your your knowledge with us. And seriously, congratulations on this this uh, huge master's thesis that you're going to be releasing. And uh, I hope it uh, does a lot of great things for you and for Scotts. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I hope that was 
something there interesting for those of you nerds who really like that Kentucky bluegrass. I actually like Kentucky bluegrass too. It is the best barefoot grass. You just, you can't deny it. Okay. It is what it is. Our grass is down here in the South. We can't compete when it comes to that whole different, you know, whole different uh, thing going on there. But I actually was just thinking about something with this built in growth regulator, because I think all of you, I'm talking to you guys at real mo, you guys and gals at real mo, I'm not a real mo in person, but I have great respect for those that do because I understand the commitment that it takes. That's why I don't real mow. It isn't that I'm against it. I just don't want to commit to that type of mow of literally every day. And so some of you, many of you will uh, employ a plant growth regulator, Primo Max or whatever it is, and you'll put that down to slow the growth of your grass that you're real mowing. This is Bermuda is really where you hear about that most. But, you know, a lot of folks do do that with the cool season grasses too, for sure. A lot of y'all that are real mowing your KBG. So I'm wondering with that built-in growth regulator, if that wouldn't make real mowing uh, easier. I'm also wondering if your grass, I don't know, I just wonder what it would look like since you already have to kind of scalp it down in the spring, which I'll talk about that in a minute too. I want to add some more color to that seed idea, just so you guys know. Um, And let me see, I had texted Jake before this to see if he could send me some pictures. Um, But what I'm going back to here is I wonder if you real mowed that since she found that it can handle more shade, the chlorophyll packs tighter together, which is why I assume it can handle more shade because the chlorophyll is packing tighter together per square inch, per square, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I should have questioned her a little bit deeper on that. In fact, if you guys are on YouTube and you have further questions, leave those in the comments below. Cassie can either respond to those or she and I can have a follow-up. I think that would be best, but leave your questions below. But I would just be interested to see if that tight, compacted, chlorophyll because of that built-in growth regulator what that would look like real mode and if it and how it would do in shade I don't know I just something to think about now as far as the seed goes I wanted to go over this that's why I was going to go back and see if Jake gave me was able to send me pictures here love this kid uh yeah he's got some from far back I'm gonna call him and see if he has any closer up um but anyway so what happens is so the the Scott's Provista Kentucky bluegrass I have to say that right I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to dead name you, Kentucky Bluegrass, Scott's Provista, Kentucky Bluegrass. I don't want to be accused of that. So um, with that slow growth, what happens is the seed stalks, you guys are used to seeing seed stalks in the spring, right? With your, we get it every year. Grass starts growing, seeds come up, people panic. Oh my gosh, what is this new weed I'm dealing with? Like, no man, it's normal. It's your grass growing to seed or as Cassie says, growing to flower because that's the proper terminology, I, I guess. What you have to do is just keep mowing, just keep mowing it off because it takes energy away from the plant, right, to create that seed. Because in in the in the world outside of lawns that we deal with, what that stalk would have to grow several inches tall. It would have to all the energy would be pushed up into that flower, right, so that it can it can mature and then it it dries up and they fall off and the seeds grow. Now all the seed that's in your lawn, unless you have an old school lawn, but all the new seed that's grown nowadays is all sterile. I don't know how they do that, but I know they can do that. You hear about that with all kinds of things where they don't want seeds being used over and over and over and whatever, whatever, but they're all stale. Okay. So if your grass goes to seed and you were to let it grow tall enough, which would be several inches, if you're able to do that without making your house look like it's foreclosed, those seeds wouldn't grow anyway. So what do we tell you? Mo, 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 mo. So the lawn doesn't, or the, the roots and everything doesn't waste energy and waste time on making those seeds keep mowing to discourage that, right? And that's what happens. You mow them off. The grass just goes, all right, well, I'm done trying to do that. You're recycling. You're uh, mulching your clippings. So they're all going back into the lawn anyway. All good. 
No harm, no foul. It just sucks for a couple weeks. You have a couple rough mows. The stocks look bad. But overall, it doesn't look really that bad. Well, here's the thing. With the Scott's Provista Kentucky Bluegrass, because it has a growth retardation to it, because it's regulated, it's slow. The seed stalks actually never get taller than three or four inches. And so we tell you to mow your Kentucky Bluegrass at three to four inches. And so what happens and I guess this is what happened to Jake. Here's a couple overall looking pictures. I'll see if I can get some closer up ones. Is he's doing that? He's just mowing at three, mowing at three, mowing at four, whatever it is, three, probably three and a half. The seed stalks never get above that zone. So now what happens is they do come to full maturity and they turn this ugly brown. And the other thing is because they're going to full maturity, they're and you're mowing off the only grass you have that can photosynthesize. It, it's like this reverse effect. It seems like where the grass the grass itself, the grass blades themselves go away and all of the energy is pushed up into the seed. And so then you're left with this brown lawn of low hanging seed stalks and it's scary looking, but it's okay. What you have to do is they don't like to use the word scalp as you heard Cassie say, but you got to mow low two inches, whatever you can do, get down into the meat of all that stuff, maybe one inch and just whack all that garbage off of there. And again, that kind of tells the plant, Hey, what are you doing? go back to, to producing grass blades and the grass blades will start to be pushed again. Um, I guess that's the best way I can describe it. But when I saw it at Jake's, when we went over there, it, it, I, I, it was scary. I was like, Jake, what did you do to this lawn, man? So he probably doesn't have a lot of pictures and video of it because he was embarrassed. But I think once he called them, they told him, yeah, this is one of those things that, you know, when you change the general growth nature of something, there's always going to be a secondary either benefit or not benefit. Uh, what is it? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That might be a physics thing, but it seems to be that way in nature. I'm sure there are nature terms for this. Uh, and I'm sure that over the years, man has screwed things up. You know, you hear about, what is it like New Zealand where there's no predators or whatever. So there's these exotic um, caribou or whatever that run there that shouldn't, that are taking over. Uh, I think there's a few things like that in Australia, crabs that were brought in to do one thing. I don't know, but you get the idea, right? We kind of have a way of, of that, but with Scots, they're being careful, you know, they're, <laughs> sorry, not to cast dispersions on you guys. Like you're ruining a continent. That was probably pretty terrible. <laughs> I'm just rambling here, but the idea is right. They, they don't know some of the things that are, they're going to get from it. And this is just one that's a, it's a, it could be seen as a negative, but if it, it's just another point of sale that they need to, to let their customers know, hey, it's going to look a little bit whatever in the spring. Just give it a little scalp, ha hammer it with some nitrogen, which I'm good at talking about, Scott. You know I like to tell people to hammer the nitrogen, so bring it on, big brother. And uh, we'll get them to hammer it down, and we'll get that lawn back in green. And, and Jake's lawn looks great now. So figured I would just give a little more commentary on that because it was something that was pretty interesting and uh, that I wondered about when I saw it. So yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I hope this uh, podcast has been interesting to you. I hope you learned a little something. I do want to do more of these and uh, I do like bringing guests on because they know things that I don't. And I do pr plan to bring Cassie back. She's interested in uh, working in the community a little bit more. So we're going to find a way to try to do that to uh, get her introduced in the community a little bit more and helping out. She's got great knowledge and legit, uh, legit creds, street cred, uh, I'm sorry, legit credentials from colleges, universities, working on the street cred, which is one of the things that I like about her too. She's very interested in getting out in the field and getting some uh, experience that way. So it'll be interesting to uh, see what holds the future with Cassie Reed. I will give you some links to her social below. And again, hope you guys had a great week this week. Hope you learned a lot from this podcast. Leave me some comments and questions below. I'll see you in the lawn.